0: Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is subtextual.
1: Happy Halloween, Sam. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Yep. How you feeling today? Ugh. Autumnal. <laughs> Sheer autumnness. I'm I'm loving it, honestly. How are you feeling? Um, I saw pumpkins at the grocery store earlier today and almost. Like cried, I like went up to them and started kind of like rubbing their little skin, and I said, "One of you will come home with me." (laughs) But I had walked to the grocery store, so I didn't get one. But I will.
0: I love the idea that only one wins, like it's a competition show.
1: Do you pick with your heart, or do you pick like based on like a visual criteria? I like to touch it. It's like a tactile. (laughs) Like I have to handle it.
0: You know. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah.
1: So welcome to yet another Halloween movie in honor of Spooky Month here at Subtextual. I got to say, Halloween is our favorite holiday. Wait, can I say that? Sam, that's a bold statement. Is that our favorite holiday? Uh,
0: It's hard because I'm gay. It really should be. I just, Thanksgiving is problematic, but I just love to eat.
1: Yeah, it's the one eating holiday.
0: And it's autumnal as well, so. True. I don't know. I think it's a two-way tie.
1: Between Thanksgiving and Halloween? Halloween. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you always get Thanksgiving off. That's true. We need, well, in our city, we get Halloween off. Yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the world, no. But are there any good Thanksgiving movies? <gasps> Family Stone. No, that's Christmas. Oh. Thanksgiving oh, movies. There are Thanksgiving movies. movies, but there's, to me, I feel like there's only quite a, there's only like a few. Which ones? What you got? My favorite is Pieces of April with Katie Holmes. It's like an indie. Wow. It's a good one. Lee's always a deep cut. I know. Um, We can always count on him for a deep cut. Yeah. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I've never seen, well, I've never seen it all the way through. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is apparently a Thanksgiving movie. Is that right? right? I've never seen it. A trip back home for Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's all I got. Underutilized cinematic holiday. Yeah, really. People should take advantage of it. Yeah. We also need a rebrand yeah, thanksgiving completely. But that's a that's a whole. that's for a different podcast. We didn't get to talk
0: about this folks.
1: Well, before we dig ourselves into an either further autumnal hole, we just wanted to take a moment to think, all of you for listening, and especially big thanks to our Patreon members. If you have not gotten a chance to check out our Patreon, you can find it at patreon.com subtextualpod. We do bonus episodes every month. You get to vote on what we do in those bonus episodes, plus a whole load of other fun shit. Yep, you get to tell us what to
0: do, and we like it. We do. <laughs> so if you're oh. interested, visit patreon.com subtextualpod and boss
1: us around a little bit. Yeah, boss up. <laughs> So I brought you here today, Samantha, to interview you about vampires. I can't believe is this technically our first vampire movie? Yeah. Wow. This is technically our first vampire movie. Not, oh, I'm about to enter like a vampire era. So I guarantee this is going to bleed out into the rest of the year. I love vampire movies.
0: Yeah, it's. I think we would have done it sooner if we could find a way to do Twilight. <laughs> like an in on Twilight.
1: We will. It's only a matter of time.
0: I will find it. If there's something there, I will sniff it out. And I guarantee you whatever morsel I find will justify every single film that we'll do. That's like four films, right? Five.
1: (gasps) Even better. Oh, my God. I've been dying for a reason to reread the first book. Is it five? Twilight? Twilight? No, New Moon. New, new Moon, Eclipse, eclipse two Breaking, breaking dawn, dawn, 1 and 2. You're yeah. so
0: right. I can't believe I ever doubted you.
1: Yeah, that'll teach you. <laughs> Never she has doubt her, doc- me
0: again. <laughs> her doctorate
1: in Twilight. I have a dog in that fight. So, But the movie we're talking about today is kind of like the fairy godmother of Twilight. Anne Rice, who wrote Interview with the Vampire, walked so that Stephanie Meyer could spider monkey run her ass into the 21st century. yeah. It couldn't be any
0: further from Twilight. It really is like solemn and so serious and all the vampires are pale and they wear little collars and stuff. I don't know. I, I can't get into it yet.
1: Not yet. Did you okay, so have you seen this film before or have you read the book? Or what's like your relationship to interview the vampire?
0: Every movie I've seen with Tom Cruise in it has been against my will. I've never voluntarily entered into one of his movies. And this was before he came, you know, the Scientology thing was like a fun thing to make fun of him for. (laughs) I just have never liked him and I think he's very unsettling. So I've never wanted to see this film. Um, So I watched it for the first time for the podcast. Wow. Not only did I watch it, I paid $3.99. You paid for it? Yeah.
1: But I found a perfectly good pirated stream of it. I I texted you. I I feel the need (laughs) to
0: to pay a little bit every time we cover a film. It's the least we can do for ripping off their total IP on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, you're
1: right. If we're piggybacking, we might as well. But uh, I have a soft spot for this movie. I read the interview with the Vampire, Vampire Chronicles, whatever you want to call them, the series that Anne Rice wrote back in fucking high school. My English teacher that I really loved, my AP English teacher, um, God bless her, she had us read Bram Stoker's Dracula hell yeah. And it was easily the best book I read in all of high school. I was obsessed. I loved it. And this was also coincidentally around the time that Twilight was coming out, so oh, I was like constantly trying to draw lines in between those two bodies of work. And then I found this and Anne Rice is one of the coolest people I've ever I love watching interviews of Anne Rice. I heard they asked she was like a really awesome chick. Awesome chick. She passed like maybe a year or two ago. Rest in peace, but um she did a good job. She she made some major IP. So, Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Chronicles is the official name of this movie and it was released in 1994. No tea, but The Vampire Chronicles
0: is such a mid title for a series. The Vampire Chronicles. I don't like it. I, I didn't like even it. know
1: that was like part of the title until I started researching. I always just called it Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, I don't love that. It's fine. She did a lot of good. She did a lot of good. But it just seems way cooler than,
0: you know, The Vampire Chronicles.
1: Well, I feel like people just, like, leave that part off when they talk about (laughs) it. (laughs) Like, anyway. So, synopsis of this movie, and I kind of, like, uh, tweaked this from what I found on IMDb, but it's, A Vampire Tells His Epic Life Story, A Tale of Love, Betrayal, Guilt, and Hunger. (laughs) Uh, This film is directed by Irish director Neil Jordan. Um, He's done a lot of really interesting work, not much that I've seen, though he did do one movie that... Slaps so hard for me in particular, and that is a movie starring Colin Farrell called Undine. Have you heard of that movie? Never. Basically, Colin Farrell is a fisherman, and this like woman gets caught up in his net and he takes her home and he thinks she's a mermaid, and his daughter believes she's a mermaid. And this it's this whole like drama romance thing about a man and a mermaid.
0: Um, Ooh, that actually sounds really good. Does he wear like chunky knit sweaters? Yes, it? uh, it's, it's go. The
1: movie is all vibes, all vibes. But the real star of the show here is Anne Rice. So Anne Rice is the author of the original IP that this movie is based on. Um, she is, like I mentioned earlier, incredible. She is originally from New Orleans. Represent? Hell yeah. She's an incredibly successful creator of content. She has dozens of high-quality books like that have been made into a million adaptations, comic books, plays, movies series left right center she's inspired a lot she kind of ushered in this like era of what i would like to believe is like elevated horror and supernatural writing because she can like apply a more full sense of character and plot and theme to what is traditionally considered i think kind of empty subjects like she's written about vampires witches mummies werewolves even a short series on bdsm But she brings, like, all these layers to it that are so far beyond, I think, how those subjects are really thought about. So like I said earlier, Anne Rice walks that Stephanie Meyer could run. um, And I have a short clip to show you uh, published on Miss Rice's YouTube channel. This is Anne Rice's opinion on Stephanie Meyer and the Twilight series.
0: I think Stephanie Meyer um, is a wonderful writer. And I think she's made uh, millions of people very, very happy. You know, anytime a writer succeeds on that scale, there's a gift there and a knack. And, and I, I think all writers should celebrate, you know, because she's, she's done wonderfully well. This is good for writing, this is good for books. Now, am I a fan of Twilight? No, not really. I mean, I have looked through the books. I've read some of them. I've sampled her prose. It certainly seems competent and easy to read. (laughs) I'm so sorry. And good. And I can understand why somebody would love it. I did go to the two movies, and I saw them. And I thought they were entertaining, but they were for very young people. Stephanie Meyer, you know, I mean, good work for idiots. (laughs) If you're an idiot, I think you'd like it. Very competent um, writing so for common. stupid people. It's giving Hansel on Zoolander that's like a sting. My favorite artist. I, I don't really listen to his music, but the fact that he keeps making it.
1: You know, it's <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> for her to like, respectfully like, read this woman's film, it's so kind. The most polite. So polite. So polite with her beautiful Bob. Uh, I live for Anne Rice. This woman... The shit that comes out of her mouth just fills my soul. I, I wish I could be as cool as her. I hope that I am as as opinionated
0: oh gosh.
1: as this woman in my later years.
0: So so congenial, so so sweet. I would have rather her spit in my face, honestly, mm-hmm. than say this.
1: About I love me. that she got so much, so many questions. About her take on the vampire genre that she was asked about Twilight. Like, obviously, that'd be, like, the number one question I'd want to ask Anne Rice. Like, <laughs> so, have you read New Moon. <laughs> what, did, what did you think she's of her like, take? She's like, you have five minutes to interview me. <laughs> Just give me this. And honestly, I see so many nods. I mean, there's a lot in vampire lore overall. Like, vampires have been in movies and books since... Literally, the Gutenberg press was invented, but I can definitely see where Stephanie Meyer kind of pulled some stuff from Interview with the Vampire.
0: Oh, a thousand percent! Like the Volturi, yes. that whole vibe that came across really well. The like powers that some of them could have, mm-hmm. Claudia and Renesmee. Yeah, the Forever Babies. What were they called in Twilight? The Eternal Children or something, something like that. Straight up, just ripped from this IP.
1: But of course, like, what an inspirational IP. Like, she created an epic landscape for vampires that, you know, we had had Dracula and Nosferatu and all these different uh, renditions beforehand. Which, by the way, there are 170 film adaptations of Dracula. So, like, that has been beaten with a dead horse. Is that how it goes? A dead horse has beaten that shit. No. <laughs> Lee, don't oh,
0: don't yeah. nod your I'm head. Nodded, but that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like beating a dead horse. Yeah, the yeah, dead I mean, horse has been beaten the fuck up.
1: Yeah, beaten the fuck <laughs> up. So she kind of took it to this like whole another level of like a vampire with empathy. And this film also had an incredibly high budget. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about budget later, but it it literally led to an era of these kind of more elevated vampire franchises directly in their footsteps. I mean, Blade, Underworld, fucking Hotel Transylvania, fucking Twilight, of course, all kind of latched on to this giant world setting that Anne Rice did and kind of opened that genre up to be something it kind of never was before. Are we, am
0: I allowed to talk about Queen of the Damned? Yeah, please. Is is now the right time? Now's the right time. I can have the floor. Yes. Okay. I've said that I've never wanted to willingly watch Interview with a Vampire, and I stand by that, but I love Queen of the Damned. Really? I fucking love that movie. Like, not I like it and put it on sometimes. I fucking love that movie. I'm shook. And a lot of people hate it. Apparently, anyone who likes Interview with a Vampire doesn't like Queen of the Damned, And because Queen of the Damned apparently was such, like, a huge departure from the actual, like, literature and the character of Lestat. Like, I didn't know those two were linked. And Queen of the Damned is, like, the subsequent sequel. I didn't know they were related or even Mm -hmm. in the same universe. I just thought, oh, Lestat is the name of the old vampire and everybody uses that name. But, like, did you know that it came right after and was the sequel? I didn't know that. It's so different from this movie. But, like, the reason that I love Queen of the Damned is because they didn't give a single fuck. That's true. And there wasn't the frilly collars. It's like when I think about a vampire and like what would make someone want to be a vampire. I would want to be the little stat in Queen of the Damned room, just like hot, sexy, fucking singing. Like what? What artists were they like ripping off the whole time? They were using like uh, corn. <laughs> 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 yeah, the soundtrack was incredible. The the music that they used, I I was fucking with it real hard. I think. I mean, I'm not going to theorize, but I feel like if you like one. You probably don't like the other.
1: I'm curious to watch Queen of the Damned. It's been so long since I've seen that. But I did like the book. It's so sexy. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So you're a Lestat stan.
0: I don't like Tom Cruise's version of Lestat. It was very weird. We'll talk about that, I guess.
1: You and Anne Rice would just have so much to talk about well, at I the th- dinner table. I feel like I understand
0: the character. It's just the way that Tom Cruise played it. It was like, how could anyone like this
1: character. He's just always too much. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like calm down.
0: I feel like if it was done with a certain like relaxed decadence, mm-hmm. I could understand it, but his motivations were almost too strong that I was like how is an immortal person this charged? Like right. because when you're immortal after a certain period of time for has seems like he's been alive for really long, you kind of are more stoic with your desires there he almost had like a childish like will about all of his decisions
1: you have such a read okay so one thing i found out in doing research for this is that with queen of the damned coming out as like the subsequent piece of this universe we find out lestat's like birth date essentially the day he entered the darkness Mm -hmm. when he became a vampire and uh, at the time where he met louis and transformed louis he was only three years old in Vampire Years. So wow. he was a fresh, mm. kind of still hot on his self vampire at that point. So you totally clocked it. Because I, I also assumed he'd been alive for centuries. And I think that the Armand, the Antonio Banderas character, is an older vampire mm. where fucking Lestat is like fresh off the gravy train.
0: Well, he's just kind of like a chauvinist he's like i've been around for a long time i guess you don't have those powers yet he's been like what
1: alive for like a year like chill
0: bro you wouldn't have yeah, even graduated a- college at this point was <laughs> a asshole. baby
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that's part of his charm because there's definitely people who stan Lestat, the character not necessarily from the movie though certainly there are fans of tom cruise's rendition but <laughs> certainly from the books so a couple more little fun interesting facts About how much Anne Rice is like one of the coolest writers of modern age. So this novel was her debut novel. Wow. She wrote it in about five weeks. Fuck Um, me, Immediately following basically the death of her six-year-old daughter, she started developing this script. Would stay up all day researching vampire lore and would stay up all night writing the novel. Hmm. And before the novel was even published, the film rights were sold and what? however remained kind of in this limbo of ownership between different studios for gosh almost 20 years she she released the book and it was published in 1976 but nothing became of the film adaptation until the 90s when
0: this film was released it was 1994 can you imagine writing your first book and before it's even done someone's bought the rights the film rights to it
1: she was like an unprecedented writer for her for any time like she was getting an advance on this novel that was 10 times what another early novelist would have been getting so she was an incredible talent right off the bat and she's had a very successful career because of it Uh, one last thing i want to talk to you about before we get into the plot you actually alerted me to this but there is a new series coming out amc's developed interview with the vampire into like a full ass fucking scripted series and it came out on october 2nd and i can't wait to gobble it up let's watch the trailer let's do it I offer, for your journalistic pleasures, my life story. So, how long have you been dead? The year was 1910. My business was desire. Let me introduce you to Mr. Lestat de Leoncore. I know who you are, sir. I've been watching you for some time now. I can swap this life of shame. Sure. Swab it out for a dark gift. There was a boy. He was my murderer, my mentor, my lover, and my maker. A very strange and enchanted
0: boy. Now, this is what I am talking about.
1: Honestly, fucking let's go! If
0: Interview with a Vampire had a tenth of the fucking vibes that this trailer had. <laughs>
1: They are doing a really refreshing thing with this series. Well, first of all, it's, like, super gay. I mean, this fucking movie, Vampire Interview of the Vampire, is gay, straight up. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, they say it.
0: They, they're fucking gay in the trailer. Out loud. <laughs> gay vampire. <laughs> yeah, if it I comes love, through in the trailer, that's how you know.
1: That's how you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're, like, pushing that is, like, a canonically relevant thing. Like, let's... Let's fucking go. Also, that Lestat. I'm so sorry, Sarah. He's fine. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, and Louis just is like, ugh. It was sultry. Mm-hmm. I love the Claudia. She looks like she has a lot of fire, which that character absolutely should have a lot of fire. Yeah, I'm excited. October second, AMC. I don't even know how the fuck you watch something AMC, but I guess I'm getting a new streaming service. Yeah, fuck.
0: We're so screwed. <laughs> We're so screwed. So <laughs> the lengths we go to as gay people. <laughs>
1: Tumblr is going to have a fucking <laughs> field day. Without <laughs> further ado, let's get into the plot. I oh, want you to see we get started. So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story.
0: I'll tell you all of it.
1: Yeah. Oh. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. From the novel by Anne Rice.
0: I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat.
1: But what if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you. So this film takes place in split time. We have present-day San Francisco where vampire Louis is telling his life story to a human journalist played by Christian Slater. And, of course, Louis is played by Brad Pitt. So something that you'll be interested in, River Phoenix was actually cast to play the interviewer. Hmm. However, he passed away like four weeks before production. Uh. So Christian Slater graciously stepped in and also donated his entire salary to two charities that River Phoenix was a part of.
0: That's so kind. I I love Christian Slater in this. I think he does a really good job. I used to hate him, but I've come back around.
1: Yeah. Can you tell me what did it for you? Because I still hate him, but then I heard this and I was like, God, he's probably a really cool guy. He just always plays the creep.
0: Yeah. I I don't have any personal reasons to dislike him. It's just in The Heathers, Mm. I was so infatuated with Winona Ryder that I was like, why are you dating this guy? He sucks. Get you know? your hands off her. Exactly. It was very much that like teenage thing where you're like mad your best friend has a boyfriend. I was mm. like, he's not even that cute, you know. And then yeah. I've since had some time and space from then and realized, oh, that was my issue. He's perfectly fine. Yeah, Christian
1: Slater <laughs> is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Brad Pitt as Louis? I don't think you don't I think think? Brad Pitt as I, I I
0: honestly think that it was a miscast, and I know it's Brad Pitt, and he does things so well, but I am not buying him in this. Do people like him in it?
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, the context of this coming out when Brad Pitt was what he was at the time, it was like a good move for him. He was a superstar, but... This movie's superstar was Tom Cruise. Tom Mm. Cruise was the way bigger star. And Brad Pitt, like, wasn't necessarily, like, an up-and-comer, but he was still, like, a fresh face to the scene, where now I think we're so tired of seeing Brad (laughs) Pitt. It's kind of hard to, like, refresh. I really do think he did a good job. I, I think he disappeared more into the role than Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was just so over the top vampire more like campire. <laughs> it's just like every time he comes on screen I'm like this is the campiest person I've ever seen. I don't know if I could
0: trust my opinion on how Tom Cruise did in this film because I don't like him in anything. Right. So, I can trust my opinion on Brad Pitt a little bit more because there are things that he's done that I have enjoyed, but in this it just felt really costumey and really hokey and oh god, I hope no one who loves this movie is like enraged right now, but I just felt like I could hear his voice coming through he's a very specific Mm -hmm. like it's like when you cast christopher walken he's gonna sound like christopher walken and i felt like i kept hearing his voice and it kept grading me
1: yeah i know what you mean He he can't disappear into the role so louis begins his story uh it starts in 1791 south of new orleans louis is a widower his wife has died in childbirth and he's kind of like lost all will to live And he ends up stalked one night by Lestat, played by Tom Cruise. Obviously, we've said his name a hundred times by now. (laughs) Who gives him a rather hazy choice to cheat death. And Lestat eventually transforms him into a vampire by first feeding on him and then offering his blood in return. So that's, like, the rule of this universe and how you become a vampire. And I don't know if you remember, but there is this – the first, like, really gay moment for me in this film comes – Somewhere in this, like, transcendence, like, transformation montage. It's where Louis's character is, like, out for the night. He's, like, out with some brothel member. And Lestat c- rolls up on him, starts feeding from his neck, and the two of them, like, rise into the air mm-hmm. in, like, this crazy embrace. And they're, like, spinning around, spinning around. It's, like, hazy and romantic. And then Lestat drops his body into the water below. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, like... The best orgasm you've ever had, (laughs) you know what I mean? So in this film, it's basically queer canon that Lestat created Louis to be his life companion and possibly lover, though Louis is, like, not at all into Lestat's lifestyle or personality in the slightest and, if anything, just kind of becomes a jaded, bitter companion at best. But later, like, in contrast to this, Louis is clearly attracted to Armand, the Antonio Banderas character. Oh, five sure. I mean, who wouldn't
0: be? I know. Nobody is safe from those <laughs> eyes and that voice. And that hair,
1: frankly. <sighs> oh, so good. But that doesn't work out. He doesn't really pursue that either. Some people argue that, like, Louis and Claudia have, like, this lover-like thing going on. I didn't see that in the film.
0: No. No. <laughs> And no. It's not a Jacob Bernesmi sort <sighs> of situation. That's disgusting. I don't I know. That's he's just nice to a kid. Is it weird to see grown men being nice to children at this point in and cinema?
1: Also, <laughs> he lost a child, like at the very top top of the movie. Like he lost his wife in childbirth, so uh-huh. he also lost his kids. So he wants to fill that void. Yeah. Plus, if you look at Anne Rice's story, like this is probably her way of kind of letting those feelings out or like fulfilling this, like, fantasy that her child is indeed immortal, which is, like, really fucking sad. That's so sad. But let's let's go back to Tom Cruise a little bit. I have some <laughs> Anne Rice knowledge to slap down on you because this woman, this author, cannot not say what she thinks. So when she learned that Tom Cruise was cast as Lestat, she was pissed. She was baffled. Rightfully so. And she, because she had recommended a bunch of other people, including John Malkovich and Jeremy Irons, both of who turned it down. And the part was also offered to Daniel Day-Lewis and Johnny Depp, who were all like, you know what? I'm good. (laughs) I don't want to, like, be typecast in this manner.
0: Yeah. I can see the reservation in this character specifically.
1: Yeah. For some reason, I feel like it does need to be a blonde person. I don't know why I believe that. I think it's dark hair all the way. For Lestat? Yeah, but I'm just tied to Queen of the (laughs) (laughs)
0: Damned. If I was imagining my character of Lestat as like a complex creature of the night, you know who I would pick fucking dead fucking last?
1: Tom fucking (laughs) Cruise. Are you kidding me? What? Top Gun Tom Cruise? No, you're so right. Anne Rice was furious. She said... She called the casting, quote, so bizarre, it's almost impossible to imagine how it's going to work. (laughs) She said this, like, in public. But once she saw the finished film, she realized she was wrong and she actually did like his performance. She says, quote, the fact that Tom did make Lestat work was something I could not see in a crystal ball.
0: But she ended Even up... a call- read in the praise.
1: <laughs> She's always a read in the praise. She ended up calling Tom Cruise and, like, formally apologizing and being like, look, you did fine, son.
0: I think she <laughs> was really brave. Like, this was pre everyone hating on Tom Cruise. This mm-hmm. is when he was, like, fairly beloved, and her being like, ew, him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good for her, sticking by the vision in her head. And the reason she did so is kind of something that you hinted at earlier, but she was really protective of the Lestat character, and she says looking back she wrote that character to be the one that she would want to be Mm. he's powerful he's flippant he's always actionable he always takes what he wants and doesn't hold back and she said at that point in her life you know with a daughter that had recently passed from cancer she was like what I wanted was control and power and what I didn't have was exactly that and I'm like I can see why you fight so hard for that vision especially for your first work your baby like your first novel
0: can you imagine writing a character for yourself and it gets played by Tom Cruise? Are you
1: fucking <laughs> kidding
0: me? Ugh. It reminds me of um, Gerard Way wrote The Umbrella Academy uh-huh. as like a comic strip or like a like a comic book. And it was turned into a show. And my fiance is obsessed with Gerard Way and MCR. And apparently all the characters are based off of band members of MCR. So, But we don't know who. He's never said who is who. So every time we watch an episode, we're like, no, that's Mikey. Nope. That's Gerard, and we're like trying to guess which (laughs) character he wrote for himself. But can you imagine if it was Tom Cruise?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Back to the fact that it could have been Tom Cruise. Uh, No, I would be furious. So pissed. That's like if I got cat like if there's a biopic about my life and it was like that like the lead bitch from Happiest Season, you know what I mean? Yeah. What is her
0: name? I don't even know. I think it's like Aaron Davis something something like like that. that. She's fine, but it's not the vision. Come on. I'm better than
1: that. It's like
0: Dakota Johnson. Someone I would who be flattered. Oh, I thought you don't like her.
1: I don't know. <laughs> frankly, I think I am like mad at her because I like her so much.
0: Yeah, Christian Slater. I'm like,
1: yeah, exactly. I'm mm-hmm. bullying her because I want her to like me. Yeah,
0: you're like, why can't I be her? That bitch. <laughs> uh.
1: All right, so anyway, Louis is a vampire now. Um, he's not down with it. He's like, this isn't what I thought it would be. And he goes through what I think is one of the most interesting moral dilemmas of vampires and that we see very much so in Twilight, and that's the classic sustaining off of animal blood versus human blood. So he tries to do the whole thing where he just eats like rats. It doesn't work because he, he doesn't want to take human life. But meanwhile, Lestat's like, come on, brother, let's party. Let's like suck the necks of all these people. Hotties, Yeah. And he's like, shut up, man. I'm trying to brood. I
0: don't understand why he would go for rats. I get that it's like a nice storytelling fixture. But it's like even humans don't even eat rats. Like you could have beef or something, you know?
1: Yeah, I guess they're just so abounding in New Orleans where they live.
0: Yeah. There are sense. a lot
1: of rats here. There are, there are plenty of rats. <laughs> but there are more people crawling around the streets acting like rats. Exactly. So.
0: It's probably easier to catch a person in New Orleans than it would be to catch a rat.
1: Oh, my God. hundred percent. Especially yeah. if you're like vaguely hot. Yeah. Done. Okay, so this relationship is very tumultuous. Enter Claudia to kick this movie's queerness up a notch because she's got two vampire gay daddies.
0: (laughs) Imagine (laughs) dropping her off at school.
1: (laughs) Bye, dad. Bye, dad. They're like... (laughs) (laughs) The PTO meetings are like, something's going on at that house. (laughs) How much more unconventional could her home life get? (laughs) So basically, she's created by Louis and Lestat, and they raise her as their own. And a quick note about Kirsten Dunst, because I got to say, she's probably the best actress in this whole entire movie for Hell me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this character. It's fucked up. You know, Claudia exists so that Ronesme could come along and do whatever the fuck she was supposed to do. Renesberry. Ronesbury. <laughs> <Renesbury>. Renucci. Reseed. Rece- <laughs> God, yeah,
0: no. Uh, A shame, a shame to Stephanie Meyer for watering Claudia down to uh, whatever the fuck was happening in the last chapter of fucking Twilight.
1: Well, because what I liked about her is that she was so complex and she, you know, she grew the mind of an adult, but she remained forever young. Mm -hmm. And that was something she was incredibly pissed about. In fact, can I show you my favorite scene? Yeah. Featuring Claudia. One of you did it! Which one of you made me the way I am?
0: What you are. A vampire gone insane that pollutes its own bed.
1: And if I cut my hair again, it will grow back again. But it wasn't always so. I had a mother once, and Louis, he had a wife. He was mortal, the same as she, and so was I. Audia, you made us what we are, didn't you? Stop, her, Louis. Did you do it to me? <laughs> Tell me how it was done. Be glad I made you what you are
0: dead now if I that damned corpse. Now get rid of it! You
1: get rid of it. Alright, Sam, would you mind giving us a little description of that scene? Yes,
0: yeah, so baby Kirsten Dunst enters as Claudia, and she's fucking livid. She's trying to determine which of Lestat or Louis has turned her into a vampire, because she's fucking done being an eternal baby. So she kind of confronts Lestat considering that it's probably him. The likelihood is high, because <laughs> he's a <laughs> fuckle. Um... He kind of just says, like, back off my grill, bitch, and, like, strangles her. And, and yeah, they're not a happy family.
1: They're not a happy family. She's entering her teen years.
0: Angst, for sure.
1: But her, like, awareness for being a 12-year-old actress, her awareness in this role is so good. hmm God, this wasn't, like, her first role by any means. She had been in a couple things before this, but it was definitely her breakout. I hadn't realized Kirsten Dunst was, like— so young an actress but i guess i just totally forgot about this movie
0: yeah i think the first thing i i assumed she was in was um spider-man it's the mockumentary with christy alley drop dead gorgeous
1: Mm. oh that's a good movie
0: yeah but she was a teenager then i just assumed that was her first movie because that was a lot of the women in the cast's first movie yeah but no yeah i just completely forgot she was in this
1: yeah no she nails it kills it all right, so, like, just want to skip forward on the plot a little bit because blah, blah, blah. Claudia hates Lestat. She makes a plan to kill him. She tries to kill him. We think she's successful. Fast forward, she and Louis now live in Europe, and they're looking for other vampires. hmm And who do they find but what I would like to consider an off-Broadway theatrical Volturi-esque <laughs> group living in Paris— These are literally the Volturi. I'm like mad that this is the Volturi and Stephanie Meyer didn't even try to make it different.
0: Well, they're fun because they're like little tricksters, whereas the Volturi is like, we're old and we're mad. And like these guys are like,
1: dee do little tricks, (laughs) skippity-hop. That's true. One of the first – so their whole shtick is that they put on these plays nightly where – Basically, they, like, sacrifice a human on stage, but the human audience thinks it's a joke, Mm -hmm. like, thinks it's fake. And Louis and Claudia go to a show, and they're sitting up in the opera box, and Louis's looking down at this whole, like, giant production going on, and he says, they're vampires pretending to be human, pretending to be vampires. How (laughs) avant-garde. I love this scene.
0: I didn't much care for the whole movie, but this scene I really appreciated, because one, no Tom Cruise. <laughs> Another point is that there is Antonio Banderas. And I'm living anytime he's on screen. I'm like, go with your gay self.
1: I gasped whenever I saw him on screen. too. I just too. totally forgot he was in this I movie. I didn't know he
0: was in this. And he showed up and I was like,
1: <gasps> I'm hardwired to love Antonio Banderas. Like... <laughs> Holy shit. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah. And he catches Louis's eye, and that's, like, the second level of flirtation in this movie because they have hella chemistry. I don't blame him. I don't blame either. Don't, mm-hmm. No one's to blame. No, none. But the Volturi, like, hate Claudia for some reason and end up killing her, and Louis is upset about it. There's, like, a lot of really awful, weird codependency in the vampire circle. Yeah. Like, Lestat made Louis as his companion— And then Louis ended up making Claudia. And then Claudia, once she sees that Louis likes Armand, demands that he make her new companion and gets this woman Madeline. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this whole domino effect of like, y'all just aren't good at like polygamy.
0: Yeah, the like, the emphasis on the word companion is very loaded and it's interchangeable with a lot of different people. And I think that there's like this huge emptiness and vast nothingness of being eternal so that all you can really do to like break your years apart is like choose someone to spend it with but like when Claudia is talking about a companion she just wants someone to look after her but when she says to Louis she's like regarding Armand she says he wants you as his companion and basically I'm out of the picture so it's kind of like this power struggle between everyone trying to get their companions right and it totally seems gay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're so right. The way that companion is used is not always in the same sense. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But it's definitely, it's definitely gay. Especially anytime Brad Pitt's involved, so many people are lusting after him.
0: I'm like, why? He says two words and Armand is
1: clearly right there. (laughs) (laughs) Armand do be doing it for me. He's so fine. Uh, So yeah, the Volturi end up killing Claudia, like I mentioned. So Louis on his own again. And he ends up back in New Orleans at the end of the film. Um, there's this really great sequence I just want to mention real quick because I thought it was really interesting and just tickled me. But uh, a way that time passes is we see him go into a movie theater and see, like, one of the first films ever, uh, ever released. It's called Sunrise. And then through this, like, series of movies he watches in montage, we can see time pass. So he eventually watches Nosferatu, then Gone with the Wind, and the original Superman, and ending with a movie called tequila sunrise which i've never heard of but it's from the 80s so i just thought that was interesting i love when there's like movies in movies
0: yeah i love it
1: that was cute um so anyway it's present day new orleans louis is tracked down by lestat one more time Lestat somehow managed to survive all the shit that they did to him and he basically begs louis to come back and he's but a husk of what he once was um louis declines him because he's still upset about Claudia and chooses to remain on his own. And we're back in present day. He's wrapped up his story with Christian Slater. And Christian Slater, what does he do but ask Louis to transform him into a vampire? Louis is pissed about this, but I get it. I get it. Bitch, did you not listen this <laughs> two hours worth of Come on now. He's like, I'm fucking miserable,
0: ho. Also, it's a tacky move. Right when his last not breath cute. at the end of the story, would be like, Anyways, can you turn me into a vampire? (laughs) Yeah, like right here. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's like, come on, bro. At least like feign interest. Pour yourself a drink. You jump right into
1: can you turn me into a vampire? Needy.
0: Needy. Chick (laughs) won't stop dogging me, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I have to show you the final scene, though, because I really – I haven't said it enough, but I think Lestat is like the campiest character ever. Anytime this motherfucker is on screen, I'm like – can you just, like, tone it down? But I'm I'm usually laughing, and I think this ending is one of my favorite surprise endings of any movie because this is not how the book ends. Hmm. So it really shocked the fuck out of people whenever the movie ended this way. Okay, so a little setup for you. So once Christian Slater asked Brad Pitt if he can become a vampire – Louis gets really upset and basically attacks him and then disappears, mm. and so Christian Slater's in this like kind of panic. He's like, "Oh shit, I survived that!" and he like runs to his car and like speeds off across the um, Golden Gate Bridge, and so that's where we find him in his car.
0: Seventeen ninety one was the year it happened. I was twenty four, younger than you are now, but times were different then. I was a man at that age. Good stuff. <laughs> I assume I need no introduction. A release from the pain of living. Oh, Louis, Louis, still,
1: still whining, Louis. Have you heard enough? But it was. I've had to listen to that, that exactly. for centuries. <clears throat> Don't be afraid.
0: I'm going to give you the choice. piña cola <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay do you want to describe the scene because yeah. I have something to say. say it say it
0: Tom Cruise is serving that character in the cemetery of Hocus Pocus <laughs> <laughs> where she's like come on Billy and he's like <laughs> 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 he's serving big Billy vibes from Hocus Pocus he's just <sighs> like a corpse he looks crazy but you can tell he still has like an attitude
1: <laughs> Louie 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 Still whining. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just like, honestly, I was like, work, serve, dish it out, let's go. Very yes. gay. That was the comeback. G- I think that was the
0: gayest part of this movie. That is
1: the gayest part of this movie. Absolutely. I'm let's assuming serve. I need no introduction. <laughs> 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 the okay, audacity! Go off, bitch! Uh, so. This brings me to my last fun fact about this movie, and that is in 2006, there was a musical on Broadway released called Lestat. I'm exhausted. With music by Elton John and Bernie Topin. and it only ran for one month, which is a travesty. But I am saying right here, right now, I am manifesting a resurgence of Lestat the musical. Are you kidding my dick right now? I can't make, I couldn't make it up. I really couldn't make it up.
0: Elton John couldn't even save the dumpster fire (laughs) that that must have been. A month? Oh, my God. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. We'll stop the musical. Oh, honestly. It doesn't roll off the tongue. (laughs) I'm going to dream about that tonight. I'm going to daydream about this. Oh, I have a lot of fun with this movie. I want to hate Tom Cruise, but really that final scene, i just like. Yeah,
0: that was good. I did enjoy that. I didn't enjoy any of the other stuff that he provided, but that last scene, really.
1: I want to see them in present day. Like, screw the 1900s. Mm -hmm. 2022, baby.
0: Yeah, I, I love fantasizing about how demons would, like, effectively work in present day when there's cell phones and video cameras. Like, back in the olden timey times, you can kill whoever you want. You didn't have to be a vampire to get away with Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and but now it's like where the real challenge lies.
1: Well, with Buffy and what we do in the shadows, like that's what makes those series so fucking iconic. Is that they can bring all this old lore into present day, and the blend of it is rich. It's so rich. Like we're we're done with Dracula. 170 film versions of Dracula. Let's move past it. Like mm-hmm. where's the new shit? And like Taika Waititi's got it unlocked.
0: That's why I fuck with Queen of the Damned, y'all. I was trying to get my eyeliner and cigarettes on with these vamps.
1: (laughs) You're like low-slung jeans, my bitches.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) I love it. Okay, so let's wrap up here. Um, So with a budget of $60 million, this film was easily the most funded vampire movie in history up until this point. And like I mentioned earlier, launched this whole wave of vampire franchises coming after it after it that were all like multi 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 million dollar films you know blade underworld etc what we do in the shadows twilight all of these were like in the median of 30 million dollars to produce but this movie was made for 60 million and the director wanted to be like fucking epic he wanted to be like he wanted to be the gone with the wind of vampires Hmm. and i think he kind of nailed that
0: yeah it did look very
1: expensive and it was long that it was (laughs) That it was. But this movie, of course, made like a jillion dollars. It made $220 million just in the box office. And then rolling off of like all these new series and comic books and theaters and theater productions that are still being produced with this content. Anne Rice
0: died a very wealthy woman. Do you think she went to Lestat the musical?
1: Oh, I would, absolutely. I would love
0: to hear her take on it. Oh.
1: I bet you I could find it. I'll, yeah. I'll drop that on in our Instagram if I can find it. Let's go. God. <laughs> Read it to filth, and Let's score this (laughs) Kempire movie. Let's do it. All right, Sam, how do the scores work? All right, how the subtextual score works is that we
0: rate the film out of two categories. How gay is it and how good is it? Those are averaged and we get an overall subtextual score.
1: Great. So, Sam, on a scale of one to ten, how good is this movie?
0: Mm, I don't like it, but I don't think it's
1: bad. Is it better than The Truth About Cats and Dogs?
0: I wish I knew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How could I compare?
0: I'm going to give it a five. A five.
1: Ooh, what am I going to give it? On a scale of one to ten, I think I give it a six because it is like the grandmother of many films that I love now. Yeah, you got to pay the dues. Pay homage. Out of respect. So, Sam, on a scale of one to ten, how gay is this movie?
0: Oh, that's hard because, you know— My gay works on gay sex, and it kind of figuratively happens, Mm -hmm. and the subtext is really there with the whole companion thing, and they get really jealous of each other. I'm going to say also a five.
1: I mean, it's like obviously gay, you know, but I feel like this movie is not talked about in gay canon as much as it could be, so I wonder why. Why? Maybe because people don't like vampire movies. Um, I think I'm also going to give it a five. Yeah. I think, No, I'm going to give it a six.
0: I think the director could have made a choice to implore the actors to take – that subtext and have more of a charged motivation but i didn't really feel romance between louis or lestat hardly at all
1: well apparently brad pitt and tom cruise did not like being on set individually and they definitely didn't like being on set together
0: there was a lot of uh
1: tom cruise said that brad pitt didn't wear enough deodorant he stank (sighs)
0: Bitch, the claws coming out. The claws
1: coming out. Oh, also one last fun fact because I just have to throw it in. So before this film was made and Anne Rice was still developing the screenplay, she at one point considered changing Louis' gender to female to make it a little bit more hetero. She was like, maybe it's too gay for Hollywood and that's why they're not taking it or why it just like sat in development for 20 years. And she's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Louis a woman and that woman is going to be Cher. She's like, that'll make it less gay. (sighs) shit okay number one why isn't Cher played a vampire number two how does that make it less gay
0: makes it more gay (laughs) and also can you imagine Cher who's sitting at like a (laughs) 6'2 and Tom Cruise who's sitting at like a (laughs) 4'11 oh my god ew I would at least really enjoy watching how that worked out as Anne Rice would say I couldn't look into my
1: crystal ball (laughs) I couldn't it is impossible for me to see how this is going to work out (laughs) realest bitch there is Uh, okay so what's the score subtextual score of this movie is a 5.5 look love it nothing to sneeze at nothing to sneeze at Mm -mm. for our first vampire movie i'm sure there'll be gayer ones absolutely oh sam 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 sammy sam what have you learned
0: i learned that i was robbed of share in (laughs) as a vampire in this series god that would have buttered my biscuit
1: Opposite Antonio Banderas. Can you imagine? I can. That seems like a fanfic I would write. (laughs) It's like there's no way this would work out. No way. No way. What did you learn? What did I learn? I learned that Anne Rice is my, like, soul bitch, like my number (laughs) one. I have watched hours of her interviews. And, like, at a certain point it was not even for the podcast anymore. It was just for me. I'm definitely going into a vampire era. And I have Queen Anne Rice to thank for that.
0: Anne Rice is my soul bitch.
1: <laughs> I think that's the soundbite,
0: Lizzie. I don't think we'll say anything better in our <laughs> whole tenure on this podcast. And we're done. <laughs> that's it. that's actually the last episode. I think we've got it.
1: All right, that's a wrap. It's really great. <laughs> this podcast. For okay. Y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com subtextualpod. See you next week.